What's up, everybody? Let's spin some yarn. I want to talk today about uh, something that I, I've tried to express before, but I, I was actually listening to something completely different, um, and it was said in a way that helped clarify my thought really well. Uh, I, I feel like I've tried to talk about this more than once, and I never fully got the point across in the way that I wanted to and I had written this down as I had two little, I do this all the time, like I'll, something strikes me as I'm either reading something or listening to something or having a conversation or observing a conversation or, or experience something in my day-to-day -day, uh, life. And I'll, and I'll quickly write something down in my notebook uh, to do a podcast on. And this one struck me today as I was listening to something about, uh, it was kind of a leadership development topic. And what I thought about was, uh, when you're taking a stance on something, when you're conducting training or, or uh, mentoring or even communicating accountability, when you're correcting someone, uh, when you're conveying your opinion even, uh, and opinion's not even the right word, uh, it, it, it is and it isn't, uh, because an opinion is is malleable right but uh, a lot of times our opinions we we dig in right uh, and, and in anything right we do where we we convince ourselves that we're right and it could be based on so many things right most people build the foundation of like who they are early on as they progress through their lives right they're raised a certain way in a certain location their parents believe in certain things and those get downloaded um they're they're in a community uh in a lot of different ways right a community could be just your neighborhood your church your family the group of people that you surround yourself with right all of those things have an influence and all of those things weave together this this context right and it becomes a big part of of who people are it's it's how they build their belief systems uh it's how their uh morality like shapes itself right and the, and those are big things right it's it's a it's something that uh is a part of who a person is so you can understand that those things would shape people's belief systems and those those belief systems shape how people would uh, approach and think about leadership so knowing that, when you take a look at how people conduct themselves as leaders and you experience what you perceive on your end to be negativity, right, to be a bad leader, whether you're experiencing them as a subordinate or a peer or a senior, right, whether you're dealing with them directly or from a distance, whatever you observe and you perceive to be negative, or, or is negative, right? Like the, you're perceiving it that way, and, and I'm not saying that means it's not negative, I'm just saying that that's how you're receiving it for whatever reason. A lot of people when confronted with, hey, whatever you're doing is negative, our first instinct is to get defensive. And we get defensive because the way that we're conducting ourselves is so close to that belief system, right? It's it's we're doing it because we are who we are. We're doing it because over a long period of time that context was built and that context shaped what we believe is right. 
So when we decide how we're going to conduct ourselves as leaders, when we decide that this is the best way to do something, based on all those experiences, based on the mentoring that they received, based on all of those behaviors being validated on the way up to get to the position that they're in, the leadership position that they're in, they think they're right. And the way that they're conducting themselves has been validated in one or more ways leading to them being put in a leadership position. So it's understandable that they think they're right. And they may be quote unquote right. And I'm going to get to what I mean by that, right? But they've decided that this is the best way to do this thing. Whatever it is, whatever leadership mechanism we're talking about, they've decided uh, through maybe trial and error, through watching what somebody else was doing, through just approaching the situation, applying their own uh, recipe of you know problem solving or, or um, just weighing the pros and cons of how to do a thing. And they've just settled on this method. This is how I'm gonna deal with this thing. And the more I watch, uh, the more I kind of think this is true, is is that we decide on a, on a way and we dig in and we're like, this is the right way to do this, right? Whether it's an, it's an individual thing or it's uh, what I think is most commonly referred to as a leadership style, right? And I've talked about this before where somebody's like, well, this is just my leadership style. This is just the way that I do it, right? And some people, like they're, they have a, an aggressive leadership style or they have a subdued leadership style or they have a, an over-the-top caricature of whatever leadership style or they kind of mold their style off someone else's style, right? But generally, when someone's picking one, like a style, they're picking one style, and they're like, "This is my style," right? So they approach every leadership challenge through the lens of that style of leadership, whatever it is. And, and as we've talked about before, not everyone is going to respond to one leadership style. So when somebody just decides that, well, this one fits my personality and context the best, and this is what I'm going to roll with many times. And, and it could be successful for 50% of the people. Could be successful for 60% of the people. And success being defined as, you know, maybe 20% respond like just really, really well to it. And it's great. And then like another 20% kind of respond to it. It's not bad. They can they can work with it, right? And then like another 20% are like, yeah, whatever. Like, <laughs> the I'll just... I'm clocking in, clocking out, and going home. This guy isn't the worst leader I've ever had. And then the rest of them aren't responding at all, and those are the ones that you're working on uh, as your works in progress or even your problems, right? They could be the personnel issues or the people that at least you're having the the most trouble motivating. Um, It could be a lot less effective than that, right? Like there's a – I would say most people err uh, on the side of – more aggressive or more um, like dictatorish, <laughs> where they they're it's using and abusing that legitimate power. Like uh, I have authority over you, I'm going to exercise that authority. Um, the kind of thing that's that that's characterized by statements like "because I'm a chief petty officer in the United States Navy," right? Uh, I know everybody's heard that at least once, right? And everybody cringes when they hear it. Uh, it's never something that people respond to very well. They might respond like because they understand like 
that it's time to stop pushing back or, or not playing along and drink the Kool-Aid. But then that is their belief is their buy-in. No, it's, it's always a cringeworthy statement when we hear it. But so bringing it all kind of back around to what I, what I realized and what I wanted to convey uh, is that we, we pick a thing and we decide we're right. We dig in, we get defensive, we get argumentative. Uh, we just believe that we're right. We believe that our way is the best way. We believe that based on our experience and level of knowledge and expertise that this is the way that you do it. And when anybody pushes back, especially juniors, the default response is to get defensive and cram it down their throat because I'm the leader and I'm right. You're not right. You're not. And stay with me because I'm not saying you're a bad leader and I'm not saying that that your way doesn't work. It could work. I talked about that a minute ago. 20% of the people you have might think that your way is the best way ever. And then another 20% might think it's pretty good. But what about the other 60%? And that's why I talk so much about different personnel are motivated by different things. Everybody's got different motivators. And that you have to mold your leadership style, right? You have to mold your leadership to the personnel in your charge. And it's never the same. Every single day, every single leadership encounter, it's nothing is ever the same. I can't deal with any one sailor the exact same cookie cutter way that I deal with the sailor I dealt with last, right? I can't use the same model over and over and over again. Are some very similar uh, models, do, like do they work? Sure. Do I encounter sailors that my my leadership approach is very similar? Absolutely. Do I encounter sailors with the same motivators? Yes. But I have to figure out what that motivator is to choose what approach I'm going to use to kind of go in my toolbox, cheesy as that sounds, pull the best tool out and apply it to that problem so that I can fix it or at least start fixing it. When I say that you're not right, what I mean is that your way may work sometimes, but that you're not right in that your way is the only way or that your approach is always correct. It's not. You're going to find times where no matter what you think the right answer is, someone may either A, present you with a better one and all kinds of evidence about why that's the best one or a sailor is not going to respond the way that you thought and you're going to sit there and be bamboozled about why you can't figure out that this sailor and why this didn't work because of course it's the right thing to do and a lot of times what ends up being the kind of like kind of like the answer is that it's the sailor's fault that they didn't respond they're choosing to suck obviously, because that's a thing people do. They're just choosing to not respond. And so they're the problem and then they're punished and they're held accountable, right? When if really, really, if we can't help a sailor, whose fault is it? As leaders, we take full accountability for that. I failed as a leader if I can't lead this sailor down the path they need to be going. Whether whether the, the other part of it any fault or accountability for that sailor is a separate topic. As far as my efficacy as a leader, if I can't 
affect change and lead that sailor down the path they need to go, then I failed. I was not effective. So if I'm not effective, if my success rate with that sailor is zero, then I'm not right. Then then my approach was not right because I didn't get to where I wanted to be. I didn't lead that sailor to where they needed to be. So, and I and one of the, when I was listening to this thing that kind of got this thought process rolling for me, uh, they quoted Mark Twain and they said, uh, "The problem isn't the things that you don't know. The problem is the things that you do know that just aren't so." And I thought that was really interesting. And I've heard it before, but when I was thinking about this specific thing, it was really interesting to think that, that people get so convinced that they know the best way or they have all the answers or their leadership style is the best and the people that aren't responding to it are just wrong. And that's not true. What's wrong is your approach in that situation. And people get so convinced that they're right that they're unwilling to be flexible. They're unwilling to learn new things. They're unwilling to consider a new approach or to even consider that maybe they're not the leader to lead the sailor down the road that they need to go. Maybe they need help. Maybe they need to engage another leader with the expertise or with the context or with just the the communication mechanisms required to get through to that that human. And I'll give you kind of an example of what I'm thinking about as I'm going through this. So as I've talked about before, when I came up, I saw a lot of really negative leadership. I saw a lot of what not to do. And and I internalized a lot of that. I saw it and I experienced it. And I remembered how it made me feel to be demeaned and to be consistently just yelled at and to to exist in a hostile work environment where I wasn't happy and where my leader didn't care how I was doing or if I had what I needed. Um, small example is like I routinely would buy rags to bring with me underway because anybody that's worked in a food service space, FSA or whatever, you use like rags like washcloths and and towels and stuff all the time to clean with right and it's like it's the most maddening thing ever to not have that when you're trying to do your job and when you actually care and and as a as a cook I would get underway on a submarine and I pack my rack out and part of my loadout was a whole bunch of washcloths so that I could clean and I loved having like a stack of nice clean brand new white sanitary rags stacked up and and I always could keep my space clean and I always had a dry one for, for drying my hands or drying equipment or whatever. And it was it, it made me feel good to have those things, but I shouldn't have had to go to Walmart and bring them underway with me. Uh, I had leadership that didn't care if we had those things or not and didn't care if the sailors in their charge had everything they, they needed to affect the mission, right? So when I saw all those things, it affected me deeply and I always thought to myself, when I'm in that position, I'm not going to do that. When I'm when I'm an LPO or or a chief, I'm going to be different. I'm going to take care of my sailors. I'm going to make sure they have everything they need. I'm going to treat them well. I'm going to like listen to them and and create a rapport with them and trust them and give them, you know, responsibility instead of micromanaging them. All those things we think about when we get super frustrated with our leadership. And 
then I found myself in a leadership position. Uh, and so I got back to my second submarine. I was a, a young CS1 and I was an LPO. And when I got into that position, I got down to the boat. I saw that a lot of things needed to change for the better, that standards weren't where they needed to be, that cleanliness wasn't where it needed to be, the food quality wasn't where it needed to be, and that they needed a lot of training and a lot of accountability. And that was my approach. And when I got into it, my first reaction was just like, what the F are you guys doing? And I, I, was, I turned into a version of what I hated, right? I turned into... Uh, the yeller and the screamer and the, you know, tyrant. And I didn't even really realize I was doing it until one day I'm in the galley and I'm destroying all my guys again. And I just, for whatever reason, it just struck me that they, I mean, I wasn't 20 seconds into this tirade when I just realized none of them were listening. I could, I saw the look on their face. It registered with me that they had all checked out about 15 seconds in because CS1's yelling again. So whatever, we'll just sit here and weather the storm and go back to exactly what we're doing. And I, and I knew that things weren't changing. I wasn't seeing the results I wanted. And then it hit me like a baseball bat that I was doing the thing that I hated. And that's why they weren't responding. I was I was behaving in the way that disgusted me when I was a junior sailor. And in in doing that, you're thinking to yourself like, okay, you're doing the same thing that they did to you. But for whatever reason, in my mind, it was justified because I was right. And I was, I was like the standards weren't where they needed to be. The galley wasn't clean. The food quality wasn't neat where it needed to be. But A, I needed to train them. B, accountability doesn't have to look like that. Training doesn't have to look like that. Communication in general from leader to subordinate or leader to peer does not need to look like that or feel like that or sound like that. And I was doing the same thing because I thought I was right and so it was somehow justified. That makes no sense. If it felt that way when I was in that position, it feels that way for them now that they're in that position, and that was the exact opposite I wanted of what I wanted to accomplish as a leader. What sense does it make for me to finally get into that position and turn into the thing I hated so much? And it sounds crazy because junior sailors look at senior leadership and basically think that they're all idiots and they're all the only sailors that are retained are the the stupid lazy ones and they're the ones that rise to leadership ranks and that's why when they get into that position they're such morons and they can't lead their way out of a wet paper bag that they're doing all the things that we hate and this is why I'm not going to stay in and blah 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 what I see happen more often is bright high functioning sailors stick around a lot more than you think they do. I still, obviously I talk about it a lot. I think that we could do better, but that's another topic for another time. What I'm saying is the, the ones that stick around are not the, the caricatures you have in your mind. They're, they're not the, the made up villain that you have in your mind. What they are, are young leaders trying to figure it out, stepping on the same landmine that I did. And eventually, hopefully, figuring it out like I did. They find themselves in that position and they overdo it because they're they're behaving their, the way that they thought they should based on the only example that they had. And 
hopefully, like I'm not saying it always happens, but like for me, the light bulb flicked on and I was like, oh my God, not only am I being that, that terrible leader that I hated so much, which is exactly what I said I would not do. And it doesn't make sense. I agree with you. I didn't realize I was doing it. I thought I was just being an aggressive leader and I thought that was my style. And I thought it was justified because I was right, which I wholly agree makes zero sense. But I was also digging in when I didn't see the response that I wanted because I thought I was right. And then it finally struck me that the first epiphany was, well, they're not listening. I can see the look on their face and I can tell that they're completely zoned out. So if they're not listening... Maybe I should communicate differently. Like, what's the point of yelling? And I just stopped. Like, during that thing, I I saw it, and I just stopped and walked out. And they were pretty confused. But I saw they weren't listening. So my point's not getting communicated. So why would I keep communicating like that? I have to find out how to communicate to get through to them. Otherwise, point is never communicated. Training is never conducted effectively. And they're never going to get better. They're never going to do the thing I want them to do if I can't effectively communicate to them. And if they don't trust me and they hate me and I'm making them feel like my crappy leadership made me feel, then they're not going to work it for me anyway. They don't trust me. They they think I'm an idiot, think I'm a tyrant, and they're not going to listen and they're not going to go with it, right? So what does it matter if you're right? If you If all you have to stand on is the concept that you're right and they're wrong, but they're not listening and they're not responding and they're not doing what you want them to do. So you're just going to keep punching them in the face because you're right and they're not doing the things that they should be doing and they're not maintaining the standard. But you're going to die on a really lonely hill all by yourself with no one doing any of the things that they need to do because you're right. But you're not right because as a leader, your job is to inspire them to follow. And if you're not doing that in communicating how right you are, it's time to revisit it. It's time to revisit your approach. It's time to analyze that and say, hey, if I can't effectively communicate to them what needs to be done, how it needs to be done, why it needs to be done, effectively why the mission is important, If I can't inspire them to follow me down that path, then I'm not right. And that my approach isn't right. My style isn't right. And I need to figure out what best suits those sailors. I need to mold my approach to those sailors to to leverage that motivator, press press that button, right? Whatever motivates them, just start jamming that button to get them headed the direction you need them to go. Take care of them. Give them everything they need. Training, motivation, accountability, preparation, personal time to get them on board, to get them inspired to follow, to get them to buy in and take ownership and start going down the path of mission accomplishment. It is what we do. And it, it kind of 
it it came up in a way that I hadn't thought about it before is that we dig in and we just think that this is the way to do it. The way, the only way I've ever seen it done, the way that was communicated to be to me by my mentors or by my leadership, good or bad, just because I saw it done this way or it was done to me, that it's right or that it's the only way to do it because unlike the leaders I had before, they were wrong, but now that I'm in this position, I'm right. You're not right. You're a leader in a position of trust, responsible for leading sailors. If you're not effectively leading sailors, then who cares if you're right? Be okay with not being right. Be okay with the idea that an E4 could walk up to you and give you a better way to do a thing. Be okay with trusting an E5 to own a task from cradle to grave and then when it's wildly successful, giving them all the credit. Be okay with holding somebody accountable in a way that doesn't mean standing in a DRB or signing counseling paperwork. And I'm not saying that's never appropriate, but be okay with finding an alternative method. Be okay with, and and I had a really hard time with this one, putting the carrot before the stick. I've encountered more than one sailor that needs some kind of positive reinforcement before they perform. I, it, I have a really hard time doing that, but that's how they're motivated. If that's what I got to do to get them going that direction, so be it. Whatever it takes to get them to respond. And I'm not saying put band-aids on bullet holes. I'm not saying press the easy button and give everybody what they want just so that they'll perform. What I'm saying is find out what truly motivates them. Get to know your sailors. Find out what makes them tick. What do they really want? Every sailor wants liberty. And it's a thing you can use, but every sailor wants the easy stuff. What do they really want? Where do they want to, where do they want to be in five years? What are their goals? What drives them? Every one of them joined this organization with a desire to be part of something bigger than themselves. And there was an end game involved. Maybe it was a selfish one. Maybe it was they just wanted to get a college degree and bounce. Okay, I can work with that. An immature 18-year-old is generally going to have a selfish selfish goal at first. Not all of them. There's a whole bunch of amazing ones that come in and all they want to do is, is feel the sense of belonging and accomplishment like they're just doing something. They're contributing to something bigger than themselves. I can definitely work with that. But figure it out, what really motivates them, and then just exploit it. And it sounds dirty when I say that, but exploit that. Because when you exploit what motivates them, all it's going to lead to is mission accomplishment and personal and professional growth for you and for them. All that's going to come out of that is effective leadership. You can't, you can't lose. <laughs> but the concept of thinking that we're right all the time just because we're in a leadership position is absurd. It is something that very quickly needs to be uh, 
dismissed from your just thought process and vocabulary. Like you're not right all the time. Like, and I'm not talking about book stuff, right? Like I know you're not supposed to have your hands in your pockets and I'm right about that. And I, but I can show you a book. It's like, it's not, that's not something that I came up with. It's, it's in writing. There's no ambiguity whatsoever, but with leadership concepts, there's gray areas. There is ambiguity. There is always room for growth, innovation, creativity. Be open to figuring out a better way to do it. Have conversations in your leadership bubble, whether it's a mess or it's a work center or it's just a group of people that want to be better. Have that conversation. Ask questions of experts Ask questions of people with more experience than you. Ask questions of your juniors. How many times have you heard or seen a a junior sailor figure something out, like figure out a better way to do something, even if it's like a little thing, like a little tiny like hack or workaround where you're like, wow, (laughs) that's really good. Like that makes a lot of sense. It could be something stupid. Like wearing a badge or like, uh, I don't know, the way the logs are arranged on the quarterdeck. Pick something. Or like cleaning a thing. Like it took you an hour to clean a thing and 20 minutes minutes after you assigned Seaman Timmy to do it, it's done and it's done really well. And you're like, how did you do that? And they show you some jig that they put together to make it super easy. Just because you do it in an hour and it's done well, does that make you right? If in 20 minutes they can do it and it's just as good? Something to think about. Uh, it, it's, it's always a concept that I'm trying to hammer away at, but the way that it was expressed and the thing I was listening to today struck me hard as, as the people are doing things that aren't, aren't the best way of doing it from a leadership perspective, like they're approaching leadership challenges in one way or the the best way that they know and they think that it's the only way and they dig in because they think they're right. Opening yourself up to the fact that you're probably not right. You're probably doing the best you can and you should always be open to growing, always be open to another perspective or another way of doing it so that you can grow, so that you can continually evolve and get better That's the way to go 100% of the time, whether it's professionally, personally, whether we're talking about leadership, technical expertise, whatever, constantly being open to learning and growing. I mean, there's been more than one occasion where a junior sailor has shown me something and I'm like, huh, (laughs) why didn't I think of that? That's pretty cool, right? But you have to be open to receiving that instead of saying, well, that's not how you do that. And I've seen it and you have too where they do it away and it's a better faster way and you're well that's not the way you, that's not how you do that that's that's not the way to do that well why not <laughs> if i invented a a better thing right if i if i uh found a better way to slice bread then why wouldn't yeah i don't know i could keep going but um curious about your thoughts on it uh i, I think i expressed it in the way i wanted to this time and I'm, as always, curious what you guys think. Uh, hit us up, don't give up the shit podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us at don't give up the shit podcast or 
You can DM me on Instagram at DGuts Podcast. Uh, hit me up, feedback, questions, what have you. To all the Chiefs selects out there, I hope you're having a great time. I will continue to repost the uh, Initiation Chronicle stuff uh, to help guide you guys through the season. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns about that, uh, don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you everything, but I will point you. I will point and guide you in the right direction and help you kind of decrypt what's going on. Um, that's kind of the main thing that I that I bring it up for, and that the reason why I did those Initiation Chronicles episodes was to try to lift the veil a little bit. Uh, it can get really confusing and very, very overwhelming. Uh, and just to try to create some kind of a mechanism to give you a little, like a different perspective and try to explain what's happening, uh, and help you work your way through the tumultuous thought process that inevitably comes from the cheese season. You just get stressed out, you get overwhelmed and you get confused. Um, and that's what those are there for. And then you can always hit me up. Uh, so don't be afraid to reach out if you need anything. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. 